Welcome to the Balanced Life Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Tillman, coach with Balanced Coaching. If it's your first time listening in, I want to extend a warm welcome to you on this show. We tackle some of the biggest challenges in life, and we share tips, strategies, and practical steps to help you live a life of clarity, confidence, and purpose. So if you're not already subscribed or following along, I hope you'll do that today so you don't miss any future episodes. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with my friend Natasha Levi. Natasha is a food blogger and a stay-at-home mom living in eastern Hungary with her family. And she was born and raised in Russia and left her home country at 20 to study abroad. And that's turned into an adventure of nine years and counting. Natasha and I talk about her experience after finishing Bible college in Hungary and her efforts to build balance in her life after experiencing some pretty significant burnout in her ministry work. So I hope you enjoy listening in to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And now here's my conversation with Natasha. Well, I want to introduce everybody to uh, or welcome you to our conversation today with my my new friend, Natasha. I'm very excited to have her with me today and am excited to hear what her perspective is and her insights are on how to live a more balanced life. So with that, Natasha, I'm going to turn it over to you, let you introduce yourself a little bit, and then we'll just chat. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's exci- I'm excited to talk to you, and it's uh, an exciting topic. It really is impactful in my own life, and I think it's very important to learn about balanced life in order to be able to live long <laughs> and uh, happily, hopefully. Um, so I'm Natasha, and I am half Russian, half Ukrainian. I was born in Ukraine, raised in Russia. My dad was Ukrainian. My mom is Russian. And um, so I grew up in Russia. And then at 20 years old, I left uh, my country because I went to a Bible college in Hungary. And I was planning to leave for about one semester or two, but I ended up staying in Hungary because it's unpredictable when you go to a Bible college that is missions oriented. You never know what's going to happen because there's all these missionaries that uh, are so inspiring and they invite you to come join them uh, in their countries or, you know, on a short term trip or here, there. And then you get so inspired that you think, why don't I stay a little bit longer? And then it's been nine years now and I'm not planning on going back at all. Um, <laughs> at first I did internship, then I did two years of missions or trying you know what missions is like for two years in Hungary still like in the European country so it wasn't crazy I wasn't in some uh, very different place like you know Philippines or Africa or something so it was fairly like I was familiar with the culture um, but it still was challenging in many ways and then after that after two years um, because of not knowing how to live a balanced life, I had to leave because I got depressed because of all the things that were going on in my life. And mm-hmm. um, after that, I I had a few months of recovery, so to say. Um, a friend of mine invited me to her place um, in America. Actually, she's she, she's kind of my mom's age, so she's not you know my age. So it was a very interesting time together of just recovery and um, refreshment. And then when I came back, I was able to. Um, continue living this life of ministry but in a different way and then um, in COVID I had to stop everything and I was stuck in a town that I didn't know at that time Um, I was just kind of passing by because I was looking for a place to stay in a different um, town and COVID started and I couldn't go anywhere anymore and I was stuck here 
but j- just so happened uh, that God led me to my husband and we uh, got married maybe a year after that. And then now I'm actually living in this town and we have a baby that is one year old now this month. Yeah. And here I am now and I'm 28 years old. So a lot of life is still yet to come. <laughs> yeah. You've lived a lot of life and there's still a lot to go. That's very exciting. Um, I love to hear the ministry piece because that's, I, I do ministry as well. And and I think, especially for those of us who who have some sort of ministry that we're a part of, we feel like we've got to be very active and that can really grow out of control very quickly. Um, yeah. So I'm really interested to dig into that a little bit. So, so you went to a Bible college, you're doing ministry, things kind of got out of whack. Um, so what would you say have been some of the things that have helped you build balance into your life? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the most important things for me was to um, look back into my own mental health, I guess, or my mm-hmm. own story, my own childhood trauma and a lot of um, a lot of that because when you know growing up I had a lot of things happen and I didn't grow up in a Christian family at all and my father would sometimes drink sometimes he would leave us sometimes he would come back he was abusive in many, many ways and then um, when I became a believer I left my family um, because you know they didn't agree with what I was believing they told me to move out of the house I was 18 at that time and then when I left I didn't feel any regrets and I thought that um I have a new life now and I will just forget everything that happened and it will not affect me anymore. But the problem was that it doesn't happen just like that. Even though God does give you a new life, a lot of the old, um, you know, earthly things stay with you. And for me, um, I really needed to deal with the um, desire to be cared for, you know, not having parents, always looking for a parent figure in my life. Um, I wanted to live a big life or like even a big missionary life, a big ministry life, partially because I wanted to be noticed and I wanted to be like one of those famous missionaries um, who we read about in books, you know, because Mm -hmm. I thought then then I will have fulfillment in life because all Mm -hmm. of these years of growing up, I felt unseen, unheard, not important. And I thought that maybe now I can finally, you know, pursue my dreams. And now since I'm a believer, I felt guilty for, you know, or I felt like it's not right to pursue my dreams in uh, worldly ways, you know, just popularity and things like that. And so it creeped into ministry because I told myself that I don't want to pursue those things, but it creeped into it anyways. And I was looking for uh, people to care for me, um, codependency. I, I'm sure that probably most people are familiar with this term at this point. It's like codependency is when you are trying to rely on another person way too much where you kind of find a source of life in that person. And so for me, I did that with a lot of people who would allow me close enough. And in ministry, we had a super tight team, very close, very small team. It was me and a couple of other people. And so I developed, you know, unhealthy relationships with certain people in, in the team. And it was um, difficult. It was difficult for me because I didn't really understand fully what was going on because I wasn't educated in these um, terms and, you know, in this whole uh, mental health area. And for them, it was hard too, because, you know, they also weren't, they, they saw something is wrong, but they weren't sure like how to go about it. And so 
I think probably the biggest thing that helped me is um, when I, well, partially talking to wise people and listening to their advice. And also I did Christian counseling for one and a half years. It was an online Mm -hmm. counseling and it it was important that it was um, done by a person who is also a believer because, you know, counseling is a very, um, like you need to be careful about it because they really, like a counselor will impact your life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that it helped me a lot to understand myself, understand my um, where I'm coming from and how to deal with it and how to find um, my, you know, parent in God partially and also how to learn to fulfill that void inside of me that I'm constantly trying to um, fulfill by having other people do that for me in a sense. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, um, so that that's doing coaching. I'm a, I'm a Christian life coach. And so um, I work, I work with people in this very area of trying to figure out how to not find identity in other people and, and things. And, and I love what you said that you can't, you can't start finding balance in your life. If you aren't connected with yourself and who you are and know who you are and ultimately connected to God. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I, 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 I start with, with, with clients a lot of times is you have to start with, all right, how do I, sometimes you have to back up. You have to go, how do I, how do I learn who I am, who God's made me to be? And mm-hmm. how do I get that connection and that, that sense of identity from him and then connect with other people. Because if you do it backwards and you start to connect with other people first and you find your identity there, you were never meant to do that. We're meant to be in community with other people, but you were never meant to find your source of identity in those other people. Your your identity is in Christ, is in God. And, and from there, you interact with other people and you interact with the body of Christ. Um, so that's great to hear you say that. Like, that's the work you had to do. You had to go back there and say, all right, who has God made me to be? What's how has my life shaped me? How where has God been in my story? And and how do I get clarity from him in my life? Mm-hmm. And then go from there to figure out, all right, God, how do I orient my life around how you've designed me to be and what you've called me to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that also helps you to be more proactive in your life rather than just sit and wait for people. Because when you do find um identity in other people, then you are afraid to do anything because you're afraid. You, you don't know. You never know when, you know, the fulfillment is going to come. And always this hope that this kind of empty hope that maybe um, this relationship will end up being what I hope it to be, to be, you know, and maybe today was a bad day. Tomorrow will be better. And you, you never really take any steps uh, to change anything in your life. You know, maybe you're not happy about what's going on in your life, but you're afraid to do anything about it. Um, I'll just share a little bit about um, my story in, Hungary, those two years that I was doing missions, I was living in the Western part of Hungary and um, it was a very, um, it was not a traditional, you know, ministry team where you have roles, you have responsibilities, expectations um, and boundaries because it was a very new, you know, when, when something is just happening, when you have a church plant and there's not so many believers there are very unclear boundaries in the system because you're just building something new. Mm-hmm. And if you are not very mature and experienced and understand what you're doing, then you can get into all kinds of little problems, big problems. And for us, it was uh, just me, 
uh, our pastor, his wife, and sometimes people would come and go. We have an, had another family that joined from another church too. They were from America. They were doing uh, ministry. And I think for me, what I um, overlooked in a sense, or what I wish I did differently is uh, first starting with living conditions. So, you know, to have a balanced life, you really need to have a place at home or wherever you are at, at, uh, whether you're renting a little room, you know, or apartment, or you have a house, or you live with your family or alone, you need to have a place where you feel at rest, where you feel comfortable. And um, I just thought, well, I will live in the church because it's cheap. You know, it was like a hundred bucks a month. And um, the church was just basically a house that was, um, had two rooms. One is the sanctuary. And it was fairly small because that's where maybe 20, 25 people could fit. And then another room was the kids ministry room. That's what, that was my room. And that was also a very, very small room. And um, the heating didn't work very well in winter. It was the very, very old heating. It's like a hundred year old house. And it seemed like nobody really renovated it for a very long time. And the heaters would only heat a little area around themselves for you know, just around themselves. So the whole house pretty much was cold. And in the kitchen, there was like a hole in the door. So the wind would just come in and the floors were cold, everything. And the water also was controlled by a little uh, heater that would uh, be affected by the temperature outside. So if it's super cold outside, the water is not going to be hot. Um, and so it was a fairly, it, those were poor conditions that I should have thought better, you know, um, of not having, because I think that, also impacted my mental health a lot because so I was um, living in that place. Then I also, that was my ministry base. That's where everybody came to when we had meetings or when we had church, when we had any church events, English club, uh, youth meeting, anything, people would come and then they would go home, but I would stay and I didn't have a change of, you know, space, change of mood. It just felt like people abandoned me now. They came to my house and then they left and I'm alone. And everybody comes on Sunday to my home, then they go home and I don't have a home. That's what it mm -hmm. felt like. And so I think that um, what I would do differently partially is I would definitely get myself a place. And I was afraid also to get a separate place because I thought that if people come to church, just let's say by accident, they had to come to church because they had a meeting with somebody, then I'll know that they're there and I'll be a part of their uh, life in some way. And then I will be less lonely. Uh, but that, that's a lie. And um, you can't just be sitting around waiting for people to come in your space that maybe hopefully today or tomorrow somebody will come over and your life will be better. Um, in a sense, like you need to be proactive in that. And um, mm -hmm. I did move out eventually in the last few months. I did move out into a separate place. And it it was such a big change, although I was afraid. At first, it actually ended up being a very um, impactful change that helped me mentally to relax when I was at home. It wasn't more lonely. It was rather peaceful. Um, so partially, that would be, you know, your personal living conditions. I'm just thinking I had something in my mind and it just left me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were talking about balanced life about mm -hmm. okay i just forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> no problem yeah so so i think that's so important like especially when having a dedicated space where you live and and even even in that space where you can separate out either work or ministry or whatever 
that's your space. Like that's, um, I, I talked to a lot of people who work from home and, and that's one of the things I tell them is have a space in your home that's for work. And so when you're working, you're in that space, but don't let it bleed over into family space because it, it just subconsciously creates this idea of, well, work and family are all integrated and, and there's a place for that, but you want to have a spot with when I'm here, I'm working. And when I'm in my family, you don't want to be seeing your work computer and going, mm-hmm. oh, I could be answering emails or I should be typing up this or I should be doing that. You want it to kind of be where you can shut that off so that when you're not working, you're present with your family or whatever, whatever it is you're doing outside of work. So that's good. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. And what uh, you were mentioning in the beginning about um, wanting to do a lot of things in ministry um, and just, you know, go, go, go and not take rest. Um, I think also that was a part of why I ended up burning out is because so at the Bible coach, I was 20 years old. And so I thought, you know, I didn't have so much experience of um, real, real life. I had the job at that point for one and a half years, but, you know, it was not so much to mm-hmm. teach me so many other things about life. But anyways, um, so um. Sorry, <laughs> another brain freeze. Um, <laughs> yeah, so overworking. Yeah, um, in the Bible college, we had these mission classes where we would read these missionary biographies. Um, how these people they you know would work day and night, and they would sacrifice their families, they would sacrifice their children and um, their own lives for the ministry. And our teacher, I remember telling her that. Not, not. I. She was telling us. She was telling us that when on a mission field, you don't have any rights. That you just mm. have to learn that you, you don't have a right to say, "I need to sleep more." Because if they need you to sleep two hours today, and then you have to do more ministry, you, you know, you just don't have a right to complain, basically. And mm. I remembered it, and I um took every word she said for. 100% truth. And you know, if we were to go back, maybe she would say, well, I didn't mean it in that way. She was, she's probably like 60 or 70 years old at this point. So I'm sure she has a lot of life wisdom to know that you need, you know, rest and boundaries because she had to go through a lot. She has nine kids of her own. But when she said that, it came off to me in a way that I really don't, ha- I don't have a right to complain about anything ever. And I have to accept anything that comes uh, my way in the, in the sense of responsibilities and tasks. And I also was looking for a big life and big achievements. So when I came to that place, again, not having uh, very clear boundaries of what my tasks actually are, I just had a goal of like evangelism. You just evangelize in town. You just create events. You invite people, do anything and everything you can to spread the gospel. That's the main goal. And um I tried doing that uh, without days off, without, um, you know, working hours or anything. I would try to go out into town and it was a very, it was a fairly international town because it was on the border with Austria where people would go work abroad. So they spoke German, Hung- Hungarian, and then English. Some, a lot of them did too. And we had an English club there where I also, which I found and was in a bar, you know, at the, in the evening, people there would just get together and speak English and none of them were believers. And I would always go there, try to talk to them and um, go to coffee shops. Often I would hear people speaking in English and then trying to, you know, have a small talk and see maybe we can connect with them somehow, inviting people over. I had these Tuesday evenings, hangouts in the church and then having English club and everything. And um, 
I wanted to be a big, um, have had have a big life and be a missionary that everybody knows about, you know, and writes a book about later for my own personal issues, you know, um, and that also caused me to not realize that you know, missions is like work and you need to have a boundary. You might be excited and you want to do a hundred percent. We also did orphanages and I would, you know, teach dance classes at the church sometimes for the orphan kids and everything. And, but sometimes you just have to say, it's time to stop. And um, Mm -hmm. I can't go to the orphanage on Sunday and Saturday and uh, do every, all the ministry from Monday to Friday. And I remember talking about about it with my pastor and he was saying you have to have like one day when you are not doing anything and it was i think monday for us for most missionaries it's actually monday because saturday and sundays when most of the things are happening and then monday's like a slow day so missionaries would take a day off rather on monday but on monday i had this dance class that the kids could come to from the orphanage and they couldn't come on another day because i had like other classes on other days and um i just felt like i can't cancel it and i remember struggling with it and thinking yeah my pastor told me i should not do anything but i can't say no to this because it's an opportunity these teenage kids you know i can build a relationship with them who knows maybe their lives will be changed later and um what ended up happening is i ended up burning out and i actually mm-hmm. couldn't do many many of those things and i ended up doing very little at the end and I even was um, feeling bad about myself that why do I do so little, but I feel so tired. So, you know, if you're if you're really excited about something, you need to remember that um, if you want to bring uh, good fruit or results in your life, you need to care about um, the tools you're working with in a sense, like yourself. You need to make sure that you can last for a long time and it's not just a short-term kind of, um, you know, short-term show that you're just going to do a lot a lot of things and then um burn out and not be able to do anything and i ended up leaving and not doing there anything at all because um you know because i didn't really understand those rules and you know of boundaries and rest mm-hmm. and things that's like that. really good i because you're right i think in ministry we think that you know everybody gets boundaries in regular work but in ministry, we're like, oh, we can't have the boundaries. And I'm reminded so often, like Jesus took naps, <laughs> like he had to get away and rest and, and he was God himself. And, and he still, you know, realized, I mean, when he, when he made creation, he, he, the seventh day he rested and, mm-hmm. and Sabbath is such a huge principle. And, and to me, like we can look at that and go, you know, God instituted a Sabbath rest because he understands and designed us not to work nonstop and to have to have points where we, you know, we're we're not, if God who's omnipotent and infinite and if he still took a rest, then who are we to think that, you know, we're not omnipotent. We don't, we aren't omniscient. We aren't all powerful. So we definitely need to rest. And I love how you said if you're going to do ministry or anything and do it well, remember the tools you're working with and you are the primary tool you're working with. And, and just like any other machine can't run nonstop, your body can't run nonstop. Your mind can't run nonstop. And so you've got to build these spaces in there to take a breath and to take a rest. And so to go back on some of the things you said, would you say, one of the primary things you had to do was to kind of die to self and this idea that you had of, I want to be this, this missionary that people write about and instead go back to God and say, God, what do you want from me? 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, definitely, in many ways. Actually, after that time, after those two years, I just thought that, you know, I actually don't want to be a missionary because mm-hmm. I realized the motives that were behind it, that um, in a, I realized they're not really godly, you know, those motives to want to just have a big name and be famous. And I thought, okay, so, you know, I'm not going to do ministry because I don't want to get myself back into this um, kind of circle of, you know, wanting something and not getting it. I, I'll i be better off just living my simple life, uh, working a little job and getting enough money to survive and do things in my free time that I enjoy and serve God in some other way. But God did bring me back into ministry because I just had way too many friends that were missionaries. And, you know, <laughs> the way to hang out with them was to join them on a mission stream. And I ended up doing orphanage ministry mostly. So I feel that mm-hmm. that one stayed out of all the rest. Um, and now it's very different. Now I'm not living under the title of a missionary. And I'm really happy about that because now I don't feel the pressure of, you know, monthly reports that you have to report of what what have you done this month? Mm. Who have you talked to? Like how many people have you invited to your home? And that that can be stressful. And sometimes you take people as um like currency in a way that what you've done for those yeah. people now pays for your salary in a sense that you get as a missionary. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sad, you know, when the person who you talk to they ask, well, where do you get money from? You know, and you realize, well, and you have to tell them that, well, you know, I get paid for talking to you. <laughs> and, you know, you don't, you don't say that, but you have to come up with some sort of explanation. And, um, and I think that was a struggle for me. So now I think that that burden is also taken off. And sometimes I'll, we'll, you know, invite kids over from the orphanage to our house. We have them over on Thursdays and we go over to their place on San- Saturdays. And on Sundays, we'll um, also invite somebody over after church. And I don't keep that in mind all the time that, oh, this week we invited someone. Oh, this week we didn't. On this Sunday, we actually went somewhere else. Or this Sunday, we had this many kids over. I just don't think about those things anymore because it's just a part of life. And I um, now do it for God, you know, and not Mm -hmm. so much for the audience. Not to say that um, all missionaries are the same and that they all do the same thing. They, Of course, we all want accountability and people who support you, they want to know what you're doing. And um, newsletters are, can be difficult, but they're, you know, I guess necessary for the connection to stay with with the people who are sending you and supporting you. Um, But definitely that shift happened. I'm not thinking about being a big uh, person that somebody will write a book about. I'm just realistically looking at my life that, you know, probably nobody will write the book about me, but it doesn't matter. Absolutely yeah. doesn't matter for me because what matters is that in God's eyes, um, I'm I'm his daughter and I'm, you know, he sees me as worthy because of Jesus. And, and mm. that's enough. And after I die, I don't need a book to be on earth. I'll be with Jesus, you know, in heaven. And so yeah. that's more important. Um, and I guess that shift did happen for me. And um, big help is that I have a family now, so I don't necessarily have to go fishing out there for um, companionship, friendship and um, attention, things like that. So it is much easier now. Um, but definitely, yes, yeah, stepping back from that um, kind of big ambition and refocusing why you're doing something definitely helped. And I feel that now ministry is not even as stressful and um, difficult 
and because you know working with orphans is very difficult because they're not so open and um they're not loving people by nature because they weren't loved themselves mm. so you need to show love to people who are not going to love you back for many many years um and it was very stressful for me at first to deal with their rejection or even them making fun of you or um, pretending like you don't matter. But now, um, after so many years, I feel that it's even fun going there. Also, we've, re- we've developed some relationships with some kids, but also it is less stressful for me because so many things have changed over the years. Yeah, I, I love this conversation because it's it's highlighting what I think is the fundamental piece missing in a lot of balance talk. And that is you got to get past the physical and you've got to get to the spiritual and, and you've got to connect with, and as I was saying earlier, like you've got to get clear from God. What am what have you designed me to do? What am I here for? And the primary relationship and the primary important thing in my life is my connection to you. And, you know, Jesus came to bridge that gap for us. He came to take care of the thing that stood between us and God, which is our sin. And, and it's, like that's the, that's to me, that's the missing piece. And so much is getting clear on that. And um, like, I see people doing a lot of great work in in terms of work-life balance and things like that. And I'm like, this is the piece that, you, that I think you're missing. And to hear you say that and hear to say, that was the piece for me that, that I had to get clear on is so important. And, and, and not to knock, I, I like what you were talking about there, not to knock missionary work, but church in general, one thing that frustrates me is we've started to treat church and ministry and missions work a lot like a business to where you've got to have these metrics and you've got to have, you know, key performance indicators and how many people are you witnessing to? And how, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that makes people feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not being effective in ministry if my list of people I'm witnessing to isn't long. And that's not it at all. Like it's, it's, are you doing what God's called you to do? And there are some people that God has called you to impact the life of one person. And, and if you do that, you've done what God's called you to do. And, and I think, you know, so often we pay lip service to that. You know, if, if we just impact one person's life, that's great. But we don't live like that. We live like, I've got to impact as many people as possible. And we mm-hmm. burn ourselves out. We would never do that. We see where we shouldn't do that in our secular work. But it seems like when we get into ministry, church plan, I love how you mentioned church planning because our church is really big on church planning. That's one of our core things. And it's like when we get into, and and, and I feel like we do this well of helping our church planters figure out how to balance, like your identity is mm-hmm. not wrapped up in church planting. That's just how you're expressing your calling. But um, so often when we get into ministry, we think all those rules of balance go out the window and they don't. Like it's 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 just as much, it's just as important to be balanced and to have first and foremost, a connection with God. Um, I'd, I'd argue if that piece is missing, it doesn't matter about the other stuff. Like if, if you don't have that deep connection with God and that sense of identity in him and your identity is not rooted in Christ and what he's done for you, the rest doesn't matter. Like it, you're, you're, you can, you can expend yourself. I, I think how Paul says it, you know, if I, if I speak with the voice of angels and do all these things, but I don't have love, I'm just a clanging mm-hmm. symbol. And, and I, that just makes me think of that. You know, if, if I'm not doing this work and it's not rooted and coming from an identity in Christ, then it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I'm just a flash in the pan. And, and I love how you said you, you initially, you finally came to that realization of, I don't need a book written about me. 
Um, at the end of the day, if I've done what God's called me to do, that's where it's at. Like, that's what matters. Yeah. And I now that made me think of a book. One of my favorite books was uh, Adoniram Judson's um, biography. It's a super long book, but it's about a missionary who, you know, traveled to Burma. He was the first missionary mm -hmm. to Burma and the first American missionary, I think. And for him, you know, nobody could, I think the problem now between difference between now and then, nobody could really check on him every month. The letters would travel for so long. He would, also for him to get support was more difficult, but still people had to trust in him. They had to know the person, know his character and trust in that, that he mm -hmm. will follow God in that. And then he, they, they will support him and leave the rest to God. They could come visit him, but again, that was a very difficult journey. And where he was, there was no social media. Now it's so much easier to get instant updates. And I yeah. think because it is so easy, then people want that. And I think that also could be um, partially a problem. Oh, but absolutely. It's true. it's true what you're saying, that even in church plant, you need um, to say no sometimes, although it might be very difficult because like, imagine if you're in a very needy place, um, there are certain cultures, you know, like, for example, here is a gypsy culture where they're very relational. They're very, uh, the whole village is just one big family. But then, you know, if you move into a place like that, what if at midnight somebody comes to your house and says, like, I don't know, like, my husband is, you know, beating us or something. Help me to stay in your house. Or, um, you know, my child is sick. Can you help me? Or, you know, and mm -hmm. somebody can come at very unexpected times. And it is, um, I think, even more difficult to balance your life in a place where you're in the, some church plan that is not so easy to deal with. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I, I think, I don't know what you would think about this, but I think in those moments, like there's, there's, there's space to make exceptions to balance. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's times for that. Um, and that's where you have to trust the Holy spirit. Like, Lord, lead me, help me know you don't, don't let me be so wrapped up in balance and, and, and work life balance and ministry life balance that, I'm not willing to step out and sacrifice myself when I need to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is a balance even to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all about balance. <laughs> <laughs> well, Natasha, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation today. And I thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And I feel like there's so many other avenues we could pursue. So I might have to have you back sometime um, and see what else we can talk about. But if folks want to know more about you and what you've got going on, where can they find you? Mostly on Facebook. Um, my, you know, Facebook is Natasha Levy, like on the episode. Um, mm -hmm. And I have Instagram too, but it's mostly for my food blog. I have a food blog and Facebook is enough for me for communication, but I also answer messages on Instagram and I do have a website. It's a gluten-free food. So if anybody's gluten-free, you can check it out, but <laughs> it's just mostly about gluten-free sourdough. That's my side hobby that I do. Um, but yeah, mostly on, on Facebook probably. So I'll, I'll leave that link for you and then can okay. share it. Yeah. And I'll include all those in the show notes so folks can connect with you if they want to. So if you want, to, if you were to leave people listening today with, Hey, here's the one thing you need to take away from this conversation. What would it be? The one thing is to remember to pursue God and everything in anything and everything you do. And if you don't have answers for where you're at right now, and you don't know how to find your balance, Ask him to show you and he will. Maybe he won't yeah. do it tomorrow, but he will eventually. And he always answers prayer. Just um, keep asking and believe that he will do that. Maybe that. Mm, that's great. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on today. And um, yeah, I just really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. 
It was fun. I hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with Natasha. Uh, She is a fantastic person and shared quite a bit of insights into her own process of building a more balanced life. If you found the episode helpful, I do hope you'll share it with others who may find it helpful as well. And, And be sure to leave a review on your preferred podcast platform so we can get this content out to more people. So hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. And I look forward to joining you all next week. But until then, stay balanced, stay focused, keep seeking God's best for you, and we'll chat again next week.